Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and friends. And I'm so excited to be joined by not just one friend, but two. I actually have two friends today. One you've previously been introduced to on one episode, Pastor Angie McCarty. And today you're getting to meet my friend, Julie Seibert, for the first time. Although, Julie, I have to admit, I'm embarrassed that I'm just now having you on because as much as we have talked about sex through the years, you should have been a guest a long time ago. So my apologies. Right. You should, you you should, you should be embarrassed, Shannon. You should have (laughs) had me on, you should have had me on a long time ago, girlfriend. No, that's okay. There's there's lots of grace. There's grace for that. Well, um, let me, let me make it up to you this way. Never have, never have I invited a guest on for a six or seven part series. Okay. No, like I've had somebody on for like a, an episode or two, but never have I thought in terms of a series until the idea of having you came on. And then I was like, I'm going to have her for more than one show. We're going to do a whole shebang. So I feel the love. I'm feeling the love. And although, although, Yeah. Although you, you have had conversations with her, this is really sight unseen. So you've committed to seven episodes without ever having done a podcast with her before. This is a high risk activity for you, Shannon. It is. Although she knows me. Julie. Yeah, I think, yeah, let's, let's talk about where the risk really lies here. Yeah, really. Yeah. Angie stuck her toe in the water with me earlier this year. And the thing that she said after we hit the, you know, end record button was we would have no problem filling several shows. <laughs> so right. hours. A- another uh, idea was sparked that day. And then it hit me to have the three of us together talking. So this is, this is today's topic. It's three experts telling you who we are, what we do and why we do it. And we're rolling out a summer loving series which I'm really excited about. I donned my summer hat for the occasion. I see you two didn't get nice. I like it, but I I didn't, but I, I was just, I was just at the college world series though. So I, I do have some summer activity going on and it's 800 degrees in Kansas. So there you go. Summer here too. Summer. (laughs) Yeah. There is something very romantic about summer. What is it exactly? Before it was that we didn't have school and that we could do all kinds of, you know, misbehavioral things throughout the summer. But what is it as an adult about summer that's still kind of sexy? It's this longing. It's going back to an earlier time when we did have more freedom during the summer, when we weren't in school and weren't in classes. And so our time wasn't as constricted we could fill it with other pleasurable activities. I thought I was going to say it was about less clothing. Like there's, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was going to go there. There's, there's, less, there's, there's less clothing, but I like Angie's answer too. I think there's a lot to be said. We don't have a lot of margin in our lives as we once did. Yeah, for sure. And so not true. as adults, do we have any more margin now during the summer? And if we have little kids at home, we right. even have less because yeah. we have to figure out what to do with them during the summer and they're not in their routine and it can be a lot messier, but it is also the time when we take vacations and connect mm-hmm. with people in a different way. 
yeah, it's my anniversary, my anniversary there you go. in the summertime. So we try there to go, go on a little trip, just the two of us. Nice. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Yeah. I'm just thinking the whole cutoff shorts thing and the tank tops and the, you know, like having your partner rub lotion on your shoulders so you don't get sunburned. There's, there's just something very right. laid back and relaxed about summertime. And so I know that there are a lot of people out there. I've actually talked to several clients lately who have echoed the sentiment in one way or another that over the past several months and for different reasons, they've lost that love and feeling. They have kind right. of gotten off of the bandwagon of sexual intimacy as a part of their routine. And they have let the stress of COVID or the stock market or you know whatever rob them of their sexual mojo. So I thought we could do a six or seven part series where we coax people back into that swing of sexual confidence. So what were y'all's right. thoughts when I suggested a summer loving series between the three of us? Were you excited? I was excited because any opportunity to not just talk about sex, but to encourage people in their intimacy, that's, I'm all game on for that. So I was excited. Yeah, I think it's a great series and I think it'll be encouraging to quite a few. And so, yeah, I think it's great. Julie's <laughs> much more noble than me, I just went straight to the movie musical Grease and started singing Summer Lovin' in my head and you know, <laughs> visual of Olivia Newton-John. She's so beautiful. <laughs> well, and you have to mention how beautiful John Travolta was too. Right. Uh, I yeah. thought about infusing that song and then I envisioned the email from the lawyer who said, that's a copyright issue. Yeah. And, uh, and right. I was like, uh, people yeah. will just be singing it in their heads. So I right. think that you're allowed to use a certain number of notes. So we could use bum, <laughs> we could bum, 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 bum. Cut it off. Nope, cut it off. <laughs> I like that. Well, I will leave that up to Addison. My my assistant just happens to be Angie's daughter. Uh, so we have a little nepotism going on in the ranks these days. Right. Uh, I will let Addison research that and add as much or as little as she can get by with. Um so I want these ladies to have an opportunity to tell you a little bit about who they are and what they do. Y'all pretty much know the gist of who I am and how I got started with, um, it started out with speaking to teenagers uh, because I had been a promiscuous teenager and I didn't want them to make the same mistakes that I did. But then as I got older, I realized that the problem isn't just that people act out sexually sometimes and do things they right. shouldn't do or that they regret doing later, I should say. Uh, I found that the other, the other part of the equation was that so many people, once they got married, were having a hard time finding that loving feeling and holding on to it and being consistent with their intimate relations. And so I have spent the past 30 years focused on both sides of that pendulum swing. People who have acted out and done things that they need to kind of rein it back in before they really make a big mess of their life or marriage or family or career, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But I also love working with people who are wondering if they're ever going to have the kind of sexual energy that they see on the big screen or that they hear about in music. And I think that every human being on the planet is capable of lots of sexual energy to the full extent that is good for your marriage and that we're also perfectly capable of reining right. it in and not letting it consume our lives in a negative way. So I love helping people find that healthy 
middle ground where they're interested in motivated sex partners, but only with their husbands or wives, not somebody else. Right. So that's me in a right. nutshell. So Angie, I know that they've uh, maybe listened to your uh, presentation that we talked about a few episodes ago, but in case they haven't, tell them a little bit about who Pastor Angie is and what you do and why you love doing it. I am a United Methodist pastor. I have been a pastor for 23 years now. I had to, yeah, I had to add that up the other day and was a little bit shocked. I um, most recently- Yes, I am. Can you tell? Yeah, uh, I have been the part-time pastor at Spring Hill United Methodist Church, a beautiful little congregation here in Kansas um, for a year. I'm also part-time at the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection, which is the largest United Methodist Church in the nation, um, maybe even the world at this point. I'm not exactly wow. sure. Um, and I work with senior adults. I uh, before that did ministry in Arizona. So we've been in Kansas for about five years now. And I moved here to marry the love of my life. He's, yeah, we'll get to that in a different episode. <laughs> so I my journey with um, sex education and um, specifically abstinence education when I met Shannon Etheridge a bazillion years ago when we were both 29 years old. We Younger. worked at Shannon. We, yes, we weren't even Shannon invited yet. me. No, but we weren't teenagers because we were definitely smarter than that. No, we were we were mid twenties <laughs> yeah. and young. You were younger twenties. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, Shannon invited me to work with her organization, Best Ministries, Biblical Education for Sexual Temptation, where you can have the best sex by waiting until marriage. The great tagline, we went around and we did abstinence education for youth groups in churches and had a lot of fun together. Um, we even did some camps together. And yeah, Shannon's just one of my most favorite people in the whole world. Now we fast forward 15, 20 years and I find myself going through a divorce because of my husband's infidelity. And um, even as I say that, I want to caveat I own my part in that, right? It's not healthy to say that there was just one thing that caused a divorce, um, which really made me think about who I am as a sexual being in a whole new way. I had to kind of re-examine that, um, having been in a marriage for 15 years. It, also in that time, um, I had a friend ask me, as an adult, does God really expect me to not sleep with the man I'm going to marry before we get married? Uh, I'm not going to answer that question because I don't know the answer to that question, but it, it caused in me a space of critical reflection. Fast mm -hmm. forward again, I'm now in a doctoral program at St. Paul School of Theology, and my subject matter is working through a sexual ethic that honors the commitment and the covenant made between two people before they get a wedding license. So a sexual ethic based on covenant rather than marriage. I'm not there yet. I have one year left. I've got a lot to figure out in this year. I have a ton of research to sort through. Um, I know many of your listeners, Shannon, your viewers helped in that research. I, I'm just amazed at what, um, what God has offered me in this opportunity. So working through that, um, and a big piece of that also, a big piece of my research is to 
create a curriculum that the church can offer that works to heal the damage that was done by the abstinence only uh, purity movement. Um, more on that later. I'll stop talking. Now. I could talk about this forever. Well, I, I did want to say that after that episode between the two of us aired, I think I've gotten more feedback on that topic than any other topic that I had put out there so far. And oh, wow. that, it was, that it was either overwhelmingly positive of, wow, Angie sounds as if she has so much wisdom and insight. We want to hear more. Or it was people honestly saying, I'm not sure where I stand, but the way that y'all approach the conversation, it makes me just want to ask a lot of questions and, and collect more information and data. And so I knew that I was going to need to have you back on as you sift through your data to just share mm -hmm. with us what your research has shown, because yeah, we, we're in the process of owning any damage that we have done to anyone through the years, you know, even if it was totally um, unintentional and we were totally oblivious to it, we still have to own it. You know, if, if we're going to be people right. helpers and people healers, we have to own it. And it's interesting how, when you're in front of an audience, you may say one thing and mean a certain thing and 10 different people interpret it 10 different ways based on their own right. life experiences. So it could have been that right. it hurt two and helped eight, but we still want to help the two that were hurt, you know? So Anyway, right. we'll, we'll yeah. get into more of Angie's research for sure, but I just wanted to affirm you, Angie, that my listeners have been intrigued with you. You have piqued their interest <laughs> about what the past 20 to 30 years of abstinence education has resulted in real life experience. So- yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I want to just add that there, that it's one thing to take responsibility for what we did and the next step then- is to figure out, so what? And I really want to offer that, so what? So that if you listen to this and you say, oh my gosh, I do feel shame and guilt right. and um, negativity about who Anxiety. I am as a sexual person because of, yeah, because of how I was taught as an adolescent, I want to have some kind of answer, something Closure. to offer, Yep. yes to bring us all to a place of sexual wholeness, which is rooted in God creating us as sexual beings. Yes, 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 yes. Resoundingly, yes. So uh, again, we will unpack more of what that looks like for those people who are walking wounded and maybe totally oblivious to it. I would say that that's probably 40 to 50% of my clients that I work with are unpacking the negative messages that they got from parents, right. pastors, youth pastors, purity conferences, that sort of thing. So we will definitely talk right. more about that. But Julie, you have been at this for a really long time too, much longer than you and I have known each other. When did you step right. into the sexuality arena? Well, my story kind of it has some parallel lines to Angie's in that I had a first marriage and um, uh, that kind of went off the rails unbeknownst to me. I didn't really know it was going off the rails until I came home one day and he said he didn't want to be married anymore. Uh, and I knew, and we had a toddler at the time, we had a son at the time. And I knew that um, sex was a big issue in our marriage and we had gotten married young we were 23 
And I just vowed that if I ever got married again, I just wouldn't take that area of our life for granted. And so here I was this single mom. I was broke financially. I was broke emotionally. I was broke spiritually. I was just in not a good place and was fortunate to have just really good uh, support. And of course the Lord, my relationship with the Lord, but um, the Cliff Notes version is I did meet a man and uh, we fell in love and got married in 2003. So we've been married now 19 years and we had a son together too. And I always tell people that we've never, you know, that vow I made before I even met him, that sex would not be in, you know, that I wanted that nurtured in our relationship. Uh, we have never regretted that, you know, that, that kind of intentional commitment. And so I discovered as a Christian that there were a lot of other Christian women in particular who were kind of like looking for a safe haven where they could kind of unpack some of their own sexual misgivings and struggles. And uh, same thing about the purity movement, some real shame that had come out of that. And so I started a website called intimacyandmarriage.com just thinking, because my degree's in journalism, so just thinking it would be a great avenue for me to, you know, use my skills and speak it, speak hope. And I discovered pretty quickly that it hit a nerve, like there were a lot of people. And originally my website was geared towards women. So I was like a Christian wife speaking to other Christian wives, but I, I still to this day hear from more husbands mm -hmm. than wives. So I changed the focus of my website to be more about couples, married couples, as opposed to just women. But yeah, all those same things, you know, the things that impact, you know, we talked about the messages that we receive from, you know, authority figures in our life, whether it be parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, um, the church, pastors, conferences. But I also have discovered it's a lot what people don't receive, you know, like the messages that aren't spoken. And then these people, these Christians in particular are dropped into marriage and they just, they were never given good guidance on um, what healthy intimacy looks like. And they don't really know where to go for that. And so, yeah, so I, then I co-authored a book and I got to say my little thing about Shannon's book is when I first went to buy the sexually confident wife, like it was not in the Christian section. You know, I think we have kind of come a long way and we still have a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah. but I thought it was interesting that here it was a Christian author and, and the borders would, would not put that book in, in, in their Christian uh, growth section. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. So then I just networked with others and um, love to write, love to speak. Um, just have a heart for coming alongside people, love to coach, um, all of that. But yeah, I'm sure that the topics we'll touch on will be, people will be shaking their heads um, because they can, it resonates with them for sure. Yeah, I definitely think that when you take a step back and look at history, so to speak, our grandparents, they learned about sex on the farm. There was really never right. any question in their minds by the time they were old enough to put on their wading boots and overalls and go out and milk the cows they knew 
what animals do. And so the idea of what people do was not that big of a stretch. And so there, there was not overt sex education. You really didn't have to have conversations. And also they lived in one room houses with curtains dividing one room from another. And so the kids pretty much knew growing up what mom and dad were doing in there. And now our grandparents also, our grandparents didn't have access to media like we do. So they didn't have expectations in the same way that we do. They didn't have someone, they didn't, they weren't able to look at a movie or a TV show and think, oh, that's what it's supposed to be like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But do we think, do we think though, well, I was just going to add, but do we think though, like a woman's pleasure was held in high regard? Mm. Like, I think we've, we've come a ways in recognizing I mean, I hear from so many wives who think their orgasm doesn't matter or that they like they've made it all about their husbands. And so I, I do think we have, hopefully we're getting better at the mutuality of sexual intimacy and the, the, um, I, I hear from couples, the dynamic where they, the wife is always waiting for the husband to initiate and they fall into this pattern where like really it's not that mutuality and that shared, not just shared ownership of the relationship, intimate relationship, but the, the shared passion and pleasure and great orgasm and all that. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I, I want to, I want to piggyback onto that. But what I was going to say earlier is that we've gone from our grandparents' generation of, they didn't even have to have conversations around sex because it was just pretty much known to this youngest generation currently, they have porn on their phones by the time they're 10, 11, 12 years old, maybe even sooner right. than that. Most most clients are yeah. admitting to me now that they they knew how to access porn as soon as they were sitting down at a computer pretty much at like six or seven. So there's been a lot of generations between the one way back yeah. there and the one that we're staring at now. Yes. The messages have been so different. And Angie, you hit the nail on the head that it's really media that has influenced that so much. But I think that ours is very much the generation that sex was all about the man. So it ties right into what you were just saying, Julie, and that a woman's role was to please the man. But in my opinion, until a woman catches the vision that God created sex for the female body so much more so than for the male body. And until we can embrace the fact that what turns a man on most is a fully turned on woman. Like the idea of turning the volume knob up isn't just saying yes whenever he initiates. I had one wife recently say to me, I've never turned him down. I've never told him no. And I said, well, that sounds admirable but are you telling me that you've always left the initiation up to him? Well, yes. I mean, did she like, say that, yes? Did she yes. say yes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she, but she didn't think that there was supposed to be anything different in her mind. Boys don't, or girls don't chase boys. You wait for the boy to call. You wait for the boy to pursue. You wait for the boy to initiate. But just not saying no isn't enough. Like I want this summer loving series to really help both men and women catch the vision about what is possible when they each look at their own volume knobs and what has turned them down through the years and how we can turn them back up in a way that you can feel really, really good about. Now, a lot of people think that when I talk about turning your sexual volume knob up, that what I'm saying is, 
do all these crazy things that are way outside their comfort zone. I'm not yeah. saying way outside your comfort zone, but in reality, the magic is found when you start tiptoeing just outside your comfort zone. When you start realizing that you are more comfortable and more pleasantly surprised by certain activities than you formerly would have thought. When couples discover new territory together, or maybe it's not new territory as much as just new attitudes about the territory that they have. But I want to see an awakening this summer. That's what I want to to hear from our female listeners and our male listeners is y'all have really opened our eyes to the magic of touch, the magic of talk, the magic of kissing, the magic of foreplay, like all the things that we're going to be talking about in the series. I want every episode to have people hanging on the edge of their seat with anticipation for the next episode because they see that this seems to be working. I think that it's safe to say that three women who are all middle-aged and all in their second marriage or subsequent marriage, uh, that we've, we've learned a few things. I, I would have to right. say that I've learned as much from my clients as I have from my own personal journey. And I'm very grateful for that too. But we want people to be titillated by the conversation. It's okay for you to feel a sense of anticipation and titillation. What are you right. hoping, either Angie or Julie, what are you hoping that listeners are going to be experiencing this summer from one episode to the next? Oh, without a doubt. I would say that not only am I hopeful that they're anticipating the next episode, I'm hopeful that when they get done with the episode, they've heard that they then apply that in their life and they that it excites them in that direction too. So they're not just hearing the information, but they are uh, truly motivated to then take that and see where it applies in their own life. And I couldn't agree more with, with everything you said that, um, you know, the example you gave of the woman, like I just often say, you know, and women are, when I speak in front of audiences and they hear this, but I say, you know, God is a creator and he created all our sexual, um, sexuality and our sexual being and our sexual organs and all that and I always say he the clitoris serves no other purpose but pleasure sexual pleasure in a woman it's not going to regulate your heartbeat it's not going to keep your thyroid running it's not you know and just the empowerment of um I think a lot of women when they do discover their own pleasure how pleasurable that is for their husband too Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, so, and I, I'm not saying I'm just focusing on the orgasmic part of it, but there's really an amazing thing that starts to happen when a couple, um, learns they're te teachable and they teach each other, you know, they learn what it takes to, um, arouse each other and to turn each other on and just the shared mutuality in that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited because I, all, all the topics we're going to talk about fit right into that. Well, I, I'm all about turning the lecture into a laboratory as well. So that is our challenge. Right. So in between episodes. <laughs> That's a good to way to say it. Of a, of a laboratory experience too. So yeah. as for Angie, what are you hoping that people will experience from week to week this summer? Mm -hmm. Of course, I agree with everything you have said. Um, I want to maybe take a couple of steps back that maybe our listeners this summer will really try to learn and right. have new information and then practice self-reflection. 
really take the time to say, okay, this is what I hear them saying, but this is my experience. This has been my experience. Where is, where is the conflict in that? Where is my discomfort coming from? Where is, where is this not in my stomach coming from? Even when we say, oh my gosh, I'm really uncomfortable with that. Right. Not just blow that off to, to do the work that we need to do internally, as Julie said, taking all of those messages, those messages that we have learned in the past, both explicit and all the messages that we picked up along the way that weren't Mm -hmm. taught that we just observed. And, um, and I really feel like without that work, yes, that, that having a healthy, mutually fulfilling sexual relationship with our partner is, um, is always going to be lacking. So right. know thyself is, would be the, first I agree. Thing. And I call it, I call it the story behind the story. Oh, so I could, I yeah. couldn't agree with you more that like, I, I agree 100%. Like we, we, and you know, you see those light bulb moments when you, you hear from people who are starting to peel it back you know, either whether it's deep, tragic stuff that's happened to them, or it's, uh, you know, uh, just skewed ideas they had about sexual intimacy, without a doubt. Yeah, I agree. I I love the story behind the story and helping them get there so that they can reframe stuff and embrace like a new narrative and not stay stuck in places of shame or Mm -hmm. um, confusion or, uh, I don't know, just any of that for sure. And that's the, one of the things that I really enjoy about watching the women who come to my four day workshops is when they come in, they don't know why they feel the way that they do. They just know that, for example, they don't like sex or they don't like sex with their husbands, or they don't like to talk about sex or they don't like to be touched or they don't, the idea of, of having his face between her thighs or, you know, like Billy, you could fill in the blank with a million different things, but it's right. one thing for a woman to know what she feels, but totally different for her to know why and to trace yes. that back and to ask herself, when is the first time that I remember feeling that discomfort, that awkwardness, that insecurity or anxiety or inhibition around these issues mm-hmm. for her to trace that back and realize that it has nothing to do with her husband or nothing to do with their marriage or for a man right. to trace back what he mm-hmm. learned in looking at pornography when he was 12 years old and how he's projected that onto his wife and had expectations that she could never in a million years fulfill, no matter how hard she tried, like for him to have those epiphany moments. And I'm referring to couples at the well there. We don't have men at women's right. workshops. So we do have men at couples right. at the well workshops, but for people <laughs> to discover the why behind their feelings, behind their expectations, behind yes. their disillusionments and disappointments, it's paradigm shifting. So if you yes. can experience a paradigm shift this summer of 2022, think about what your fall yes. and winter and spring are going to look like having overcome some of those hurdles that have been holding you back in the bedroom and outside the bedroom. So anything else that you ladies want to add before we wrap up our introductory session and get ready to dive into our first topic, which is going to be at Let's Talk Like Lovers Do, which that's also a song that Addison could weave in. I hope that y'all remember the, uh, is it Eurythmics? Talk to me so. like lovers do. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Myself now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would just say a million times. Yes. 
to everything mm -hmm. you said. Yeah. I Thank just you. ditto, 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 ditto. Yay. <laughs> well, yeah. and just know listeners that right now it sounds like we're totally all on the same page about everything hundred percent, but there will be topics that we discuss at some point this summer yeah. that we may not agree on. And we want to role model for the world, what it looks like to simply yes. agree to disagree. Uh, my husband sent me a meme just last night with Morgan Freeman. I'm going to pull it up on my phone. I actually just texted it to a client this morning who was having some anxieties about some family squabble issues. Uh, this is what it says. Just because I disagree with you does not mean that I hate you. We need to relearn that in our society. So yes. it's okay if you, as a listener, disagree with any one of us or all three of us. We all right. have our different experiences, our different opinions. This show is intended to educate and inspire, but our way is not the only way. And everyone has to make their own way on this road right. towards sexual intimacy and fulfillment. And so our hope is that we can challenge you and give you hope and help you connect dots and make sense of bigger pictures mm -hmm. and have the aha moments and reframe things and have your paradigm shifts. But it may be a challenge as you wrestle through some of these issues and that's okay. Anything that's, that's okay. ever, any breakthrough that's ever been had, there's been a lot of tension along the way. So if you feel tension as you're listening, we just say, great, keep listening. Good on yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, do you guys want to wrap this up by just making quick statements about Roe v. Wade being overturned? I mean, that's not just today. <laughs> we all agree with that. All of our listeners agree with exactly the right thing. Oh yeah. my, Angie! I, I saw Facebook light up today. It was like, what's going on oh, in the oh, world? Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll try to refrain from the political banter that drags right. people down. It's so yes. sad in our society today that politics is it such is. a hot button. But it is, there was another meme that Charlie sent me, said that uh, uh, the P-O-L in politics is in reference to like policies that govern society. And then there's the T-I-C-S, which is blood-sucking creatures that latch on to <laughs> other living organisms. <laughs> politics. <laughs> so we will try not to be- far, not, not far from the truth. Yeah. <laughs> we will try to be as politically sensitive as possible, but some of our ideas may really brush up against your paradigms. Right. And again, that's okay. We can agree to disagree as uh, long as we all agree on one thing. And that is that being human is an amazing experience and that all human beings mm -hmm. have the right to be sexually competent in their pursuit of, of pleasure, of satisfaction, of fulfillment, of bonding, of purpose in their relationships. So that brings us to the part of the show where I have to say, we love you for listening. And we thank you for tapping on us. <laughs>